0: Welcome back to another episode of All Things Red. On today's episode, I have Jamie Kaplan. Jamie is a mental health counselor, and she is the owner of Good Mood Food. So if you follow her on Instagram, follow any of the accounts, you'd probably see that. Jamie, how are you doing?
1: Hi, how are you? I'm happy to be here.
0: I'm good. So we got, we got connected, you and me, through Grace Lawson. She was your roommate, correct?
1: That is correct.
0: So you guys, did you guys know each other for a long time or like long time friends or like how did you guys get to know each other?
1: Actually, no, I like just met Grace within the last couple of years. We both go to the same gym, Burn Boot Camp in uh, Main Street in Williamsville. And I was looking for a roommate and I went up to my friend there, Elisa, and was like, hey, like, who should I ask from Burn to be my roommate? Because I'm I'm in that kind of predicament right now. Like, I know nobody who needs to move. And she was like, what about that grace girl? She seems super nice. I'm like, you know what, you're totally right. So I messaged her and was like, on Instagram, like slid into her DMs and was like, Hey, can I like ask a weird question? Like, are you looking for a roommate by chance? Or do you know someone who is? And she was like, wait, maybe I am. And I was like, what does that
0: mean?
1: (laughs) And then the rest (laughs) is history. (laughs) And we lived together through a pandemic
0: that's kind of funny so you like you guys talked a little bit or like you just straight out of the dark was like I'm so desperate I don't want to say the word desperate but you know what I mean like you were just like (laughs)
1: I was I was definitely desperate
0: (laughs) (laughs) you're just like all right I gotta get a roommate so I'm just gonna ask this random girl or like were you guys like friends at the gym or like how because that just seems like
1: yeah we were definitely friendly at the gym um we were like partners a couple of times and like we realized we knew the same person um like that went to school and played lacrosse with her that I knew from high school. And like that kind of just like, you know, made us friendly. We knew who each other were kind of thing. And then that was kind of it.
0: That's awesome. It's Buffalo is so small too.
1: I know exactly.
0: Um, well, you know, you two, she put me in touch and, like, said a lot of good things about you, so I definitely wanted to have you on. Now, you, like like I said in the intro, you're a mental health counselor, and then you also are the owner of Good Mood Food. Those mm-hmm. are kind of, like, two, like, complete opposites. Um, mm-hmm. What did you go to school for?
1: So I went to school for psychology, and then I went to get my master's for clinical mental health counseling.
0: Mm-hmm. Was that something that you always knew you wanted to do? Or how'd you get like, get into that?
1: So I actually went to UB for undergrad, and I went for exercise science. Um, I always tell people this story, because it's just so bizarre hearing it out loud. Like, I was always injured, um, doing sports, like throughout high school, and like, Uh, before that too I did like cross country and indoor track and outdoor track and I played softball too and like I always had an injury league I was that girl and it was really annoying so I got to know the trainer really well and I really wanted to be an athletic trainer until one day I got to UB and was like wow you know I really wanted to be an athletic trainer I thought I was going to work with like you know cute boys and like have this great job until I realized I'm going to be like an old fart working with like High schoolers, and that's not cute at all. So I decided that's not what I wanted to do, and I actually went back to what I originally wanted to do. Like from the time I was like, I don't know, maybe ten, I said I wanted to be a psychologist. So I just went for psychology, not really know knowing what I wanted to do next. Um, thought maybe I would go to get a PhD and do research, or maybe I would um, be like a psychiatric nurse practitioner. Um, but when I came down to it, I really wanted to sit in an office and talk to someone and help guide them through their problems so that's why I went for a master's in counseling
0: now kind of like before we get into that you went to UB right yes I did did you stay home for a specific reason or were you you decided to stay home because it was the best like college offer per se or like the best scenario for you or like what what led you to staying home versus like going away to school
1: so get this I'm not from Buffalo I'm from Rochester actually
0: Oh, I thought you're from Buffalo, so my mistake.
1: <laughs> no, that's okay. That's totally fine. I'm from, I'm from Rochester. I went to Rush Henrietta High School growing up.
0: Oh, okay. So, okay, then you technically did go away from school. So, um, yeah, I mean, yeah. an hour, but
1: you know, it was the perfect distance at the time. Um, mm-hmm. I went through my own mental health stuff, which is really what made me passionate about going to school for this. Mm-hmm. So I uh, wanted to stay. Close to my dad, like in a way. Have my own space. I was like, I I applied to like uh, six, and all of them. I really wasn't there for any particular reason, but I'm so happy that I did. I really loved UB.
0: Now, um, you said you went through your own mental health stuff. Was that something mm-hmm. that happened? I mean, I know you just said that that is part of the reason why you wanted to be closer to home. Um, mm-hmm. Was that something that happened in high school or was that something that happened, you know, as you were about to leave for college or when did that all transpire?
1: So I grew up having anxiety and it was something that, um, like, I guess, talk so about, I knew anxiety about anxiety and stuff because my family has a history of having you know just bouts of anxiety mm-hmm. but um my parents were divorced so mm-hmm. Super mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. and I love um, um, because obviously it really played a part so, so when I um like I would just I anxiety and I learned to deal with it from you know therapists and so on but then it got kind of came to a I was super anxious and um and I was lucky enough to have like a counselor who was able to help me through that but the main person in my life I think him and my stepmom really kind of pulled me through that and I wanted to remain close to them
0: yeah now when you first were going through it Um, which it's not an easy thing to go through. I'm not that I would know. I'd never personally went through, you know, parents being divorced and stuff like that. Mm -hmm. Um, but when that happened, did you, were you like afraid to talk to friends or was, you know, your friends, the outlet you went to, or like, who was the first Mm -hmm. resort that you went to, to talk about it? Um, even if you didn't talk about it right away, but, Mm -hmm. and what led you to going that avenue versus obviously the opposite? So, you know, re- what I mean by the other way is like, if you went to a counselor, why didn't you go talk to a friend? And like, if you went to a friend, why didn't you go to a counselor?
1: So I think my parents got me into therapy at like a young enough age that it was just so normalized for me to talk about like my, my feelings with either my family or my counselor that I never even talked about it with my friends. Um, in fact, like my close friends, except maybe one or two people, they didn't really know I had anxiety. Um, badly until I was, you know, in my senior year and I was kind of going through it pretty bad. Um, prior to that, like you wouldn't even have been able to tell that I was going through anything or that it was like a life battle. It was, um, I was like super bubbly in school and like very outgoing. I was a straight A student. So like, it wasn't necessarily something that I had grew up learning to talk about with my friends It just didn't really come up. Um, The only way my friends maybe could have known is like I would miss school a lot because I had, you know, anxiety that would present in like stomach aches or, you know, just feeling overall uneasy or having, you know, just overall aches and pains, which is definitely a way that anxiety can present, especially for someone like who's school aged, like an adolescent.
0: Now, um, you know, kind of like talking about it a little bit deeper, if you're okay with it, if not, um, yes. I could just cut it out. But, you know, for me, I always say, um, and I don't know if this is going to come across the wrong way. So that's why I'm just giving that little, little fair warning. No, but okay, um, go ahead. Uh, but uh, I didn't, I didn't grow up with a dad. So like my mom raised me completely on her own. And it mm-hmm. was that like my dad chose not to be in my life um, mm-hmm. for whatever reason that may be. Mm-hmm. Um, so like for me growing up, my mom was able to, like, she said that she never wanted me to either lash out or have, and, and have problems, you know, however they, that may manifest in a negative way. So she was very upfront with me and honest, um, from the time I started questioning like, Hey, how come I don't have a, you know, two parents, you know what I mean? Yep. Um, And now that I'm older, it's not something that's really ever per se affected me where Mm -hmm. I needed to go talk to someone, which is not a bad thing if you do. Um, Right. Not at all. So for me, it was just like almost like a – I don't know if I was like desensitized to it or if it was just like a normal like as I grew up, I was just like, okay – Um, I, I have the family that I have and I get friends all the time. They're like, how, like, I could never imagine not having a father or something like that. Mm -hmm. And to, to me, I say, it's like almost finding out you had, and this may not make sense to some people. It's like finding out you had a, like a long lost sibling. Like you, like, you don't, you don't know what life is like with them. Um, because you've never had them in your life so mm-hmm. like for me I always say and this is where you know I gave you the little warning on was that I for friends that have talked to me about their parents divorcing and stuff I always say that I personally would rather be in my situation of just not knowing a parent flat out mm-hmm. than to have a foundation have a household and then for that to be like split because it kind of like completely mm-hmm. you know not messes up a lot of things but it just like it sends you in a, a spiral that you necessarily can sure look to go towards if that makes sense. Sure. Absolutely.
1: Um, Absolutely. I totally understand where you're coming from. And I think in a way my situation is even maybe more similar to yours than maybe a, a kid who is aware of their parents getting divorced because my parents got divorced when I was six months old. So it was all I ever knew. Mm-hmm. So I I knew going back and forth to mom and dads. Um but then in sixth grade, my dad and my stepmom who had raised me since I was like two years old, they got divorced. Well they start they separated then. And I think that's kind of when my anxiety started getting worse. And that's actually when I found a therapist that I really, really liked going to, um, who I ended up staying with until I moved out of Rochester. So
0: Now, um, with you, do you feel as though that having gone through mental health yourself, it makes you a better counselor?
1: So I I think so. And I think so for one reason specifically, and that is, I know what it feels like, I can empathize differently. Um, I know what to say sometimes. um, Because I know what that feeling feels like. Um, Do I know what to say all the time? Absolutely not. No way. Um, But I think it just gives me a bit of a different perspective. But it's not something I ever share with my clients. um, Mm -hmm. Just because like, you know, counseling is about them. You know, but I will say, you know, self-disclosure in counseling, there is a place for it. And I used to see um, kids and sometimes like kids and adolescents are hard to open up unless they feel like they have a reason to open up to you. So there were times where I self-disclosed minimally to kids say like, you know, like I went through this, you know, my parents were divorced. I know how you feel like I can, I can help you if you let me kind of thing.
0: Absolutely. And, um, I know I was texting you about it saying like, I had a bunch of questions to ask. One of the questions that I'm like really puzzled by is like how social media affects our mental health. Oh,
1: absolutely. Um,
0: so, and kind of, and I don't want to like walk on eggshells with this statement, but I have to just cause in case mm-hmm. I don't present it properly is how much of, with kids nowadays or not even kids or like even like people our age in our mm-hmm. 20s and stuff where we live in this world of instant gratification we get our yes. sense of security from what others think about us even though there's a part of us that know a lot of people don't like confrontation so they just are yes men and they're like oh you're great you're great but then the second you leave they're like i can't stand that person type mm-hmm. of world so how do you how much of it um do you think uh how do i want to say this like how much do you think in society today, as a whole people are soft versus um there's an actual issue and i, I know there's an issue but what i mean by the soft part is that like they're not getting that instant gratification in whether it's a field of uh, a career they're in or something they're trying to do and they're mixing up The instant gratification with the okay, there's actually something wrong here,
1: right? Right, um, and I don't know if I asked
0: that properly.
1: No, you did. I totally am following you, and I think that you said the perfect word like the word instant gratification. And I think Mm -hmm. that that's what at least differs from maybe when I was a kid, and you know, you and maybe even you know, beyond us is like we like went out and naturally made friends and like potentially didn't even think about what these people were thinking about us um, because there wasn't like a like button, you know, as a kid, you're just so, um, you know uh, what's the word like free spirited, I guess that you, you end up saying like, Oh, like, do you want to be my friend or you just gravitate towards like-minded people? Whereas, you know, now on social media, you, you feel defined or kids may feel defined and some people may feel defined by the amount of traffic they get to their profile or the amount of likes they get, or the amount of comments they get, or, you know, the opposite. People can hide behind a screen and be kind of ruthless, right? Like things that they wouldn't necessarily feel comfortable saying to their face. They might be able to say in someone's comments or someone's DMS or what have you. I think part of the reason too, it seems so prevalent, um, is because a social media is increasing but b you know mental talking about mental health and being open about you know for kids maybe bullying or what have you is becoming more talked about
0: yeah because i always i'm, I'm just curious because like when people talk about happiness for example mm-hmm. um i kind of like just from conversations with friends and then like things you hear and stuff like that it's always cute i always am like curious like how much of it is okay, you're really not happy or you're just in like the beginning stages of something that you want. So like, of course it's going to be very uncomfortable. And to a certain extent, like that's not the happiest of times when you're in that. So like, what is your thought on that?
1: I think happiness is subjective. I think all feelings are subjective. So like Mm -hmm. the way I feel happy is different from how you feel happy to the next guy, et cetera. Mm -hmm. And, um, I think that everyone's happiness is based on different things, but there is, you know, going back to the previous topic, there is such a pull, um, I think because social media and such is so addicting that pulls could, could pull someone's happiness in that, you know, direction and kind of take control of what, uh, what they're feeling.
0: Yeah. And are you big into, uh, like meditating, journaling and stuff like that?
1: Um, not so much. Um, maybe this is me because I have high functioning anxiety at this point in my life, right? <laughs> like it d- doesn't go away, but I cope with it better. Yeah. Um, I, I don't meditate. I don't find that it is the right coping skill for me. Um, nor do I really journal for me my outlet is the gym and working out and also good mood food is a huge outlet um there's a reason that it's called good mood food right like i kind of took my life struggles and and put it into like i'm making a life change i'm going to eat better to to heal my mind you know Mm -hmm. to connect that like mind body and soul connection and it kind of inspired me to make a business out of it like you know if i can eat like this then I think that, you know, obviously I think that there's value for other people too, as well.
0: Absolutely. And the reason I asked you those two questions was because, um, obviously 2020 was a hard year for everyone, but, um, yeah. for, for me, it was really the first time that I was in probably the darkest place mentally mm-hmm. of my life, which mm-hmm. if my, my friend is listening, that girl's been like my, my therapist since <laughs> I could, I couldn't even tell you when, um, yeah and there were nights where like i was on the phone with her for hours talking to her just just and like other friends as well um Mm -hmm. and for me i heard right after the super bowl um because on super bowl sunday i had a really really bad panic attack where like i legitimately Mm -hmm. thought like i was about to have a heart attack i like was essentially like looking for something i didn't know like what you know what i mean kind of like claustrophobic in my own body And um, I don't know how it happened. I think it might've just been like fate maybe, but I came across an Instagram post where Giselle, Tom Brady's wife was talking about how she really struggled, struggled with anxiety, panic attacks and stuff like that. And she said that she stopped, I mean, she was a model. So she was saying that everything was just on the go. And she talked about how anytime she was in the air, um, she felt trapped and, and she had really bad panic attacks. And she was saying one thing that helped her was, switching up her diet, um, Mm -hmm. and eating all organic. I mean, obviously she has the financial means to do that, whereas not everyone can, but, um, she completely changed up her diet. She got rid of the caffeine. She got stuff like that. And then obviously there's studies on, you know, your gut health and how it's linked to your brain and, you know, essentially how you eat affects your mood and stuff like that. How much of a lot of mental health problems in your opinion from, you know, just, I don't even know if this is like your realm per se, but Mm -hmm. how much of it do you think is linked to just like our daily habits that we do that we don't even realize we're doing, like, you know, eating junk food and Mm -hmm. not working out and not taking care of our body. Because for me, along with you as like an outlet for me, that's what like working out is. It's like, it like keeps me clear mentally, if, if that makes sense.
1: Yeah. Yeah. No, I agree with that entirely. And I think that there is validity in the statement that, you know, um, there is a gut to brain connection in, in the things that the food that we eat, um, will either can either turn on or off, you know, some of the, even the genes that we have, right? Like Mm -hmm. food is medicine. They say that, you know, if you eat a really bad diet, right. You maybe develop an autoimmune disease, for example, right? Whereas someone Mm -hmm. who maybe doesn't eat that way doesn't. So I think that food has the influence to really uh, affect your physical health and your mental health. Um, Mm -hmm. But one thing I always say is in regards to your everyday routine is, you know, the You, if you're struggling with something and it's new, you have to just first acknowledge that something that you're doing is not working anymore, right? Mm-hmm. So yep. that's kind of where I start with a lot of my clients. I, I say, tell me about your life. Tell me about your daily routine. And that's, that's kind of where I let them start talking. And at the end, we say, okay, I know that you like this routine, but something isn't working. So what's one thing you're going to commit to doing different? Is it you're going to get out for a walk in the morning and we're going to do something active? Is it you're going to meditate before bed or are you going to journal before bed? You know, what are we going to add or subtract from your routine to make something different just to give your brain, you know, a break from being on whatever this cycle has been and to change it, right? You know, to to veer off track to start something new.
0: Mm-hmm. Do you find that sometimes when you have clients and not talking about a client specifically, because I know you can't do that, but when you suggest those things to someone that either has high anxiety or has a lot going on that when you mention, Hey, you know, you, I know you're comfortable with what you're doing, but it's clearly not working. So we need to change some things up. Do you find that for some people that gives them more anxiety? Cause I could foresee Just generalizing how some people could be like, I can't really, I can't do that. I I like, Mm -hmm. I got to figure out, I got to figure it out first within my own routine and my own schedule before I go switching things up because that uncertainty is just going to create even more anxiety for me.
1: Yeah. So if I, if, if that happens and I'll go the route of learning to self-soothe with the person like, okay, you, you don't want to change anything. I understand that. Let's try to work through your normal routine. And what we'll do now is identify you know, we'll go through your day hour by hour. And what I'll ask them to do for me is, you know, rate this on an uncomfort- uncomfortableness scale, zero being not uncomfortable at all and 10 being the most uncomfortable. And we kind of go through it hour by hour and determine, okay, at which point am I feeling most uncomfortable? Maybe that's when I'm having the worst anxiety, etc. You know, and once you can kind of figure out what that routine looks like, you can help them, um, like de-escalate and ground themselves back into reality and teach, the, teach clients like the skills um, they can use in those moments to feel self-soothed because it really feels, and I'm sure you can attest to this when you're having panic attack or anxiety, that like you feel out of control and you really yes. are attempting to regain that control so you feel okay again
0: absolutely and like for me i mean obviously everyone has different like for me like i just don't talk like i'm a very outgoing talkative person yep. um there if you ask grace she'd probably tell you i don't shut the fuck up and you might have to tell me a couple <laughs> times like yo yeah, shut your fucking mouth <laughs> mm-hmm. but um but for me it's just like i just i sit there silent and i know on like super bowl sunday when i was i was watching the super bowl at Esther's with her friends um is i wasn't talking and she said to me she thought i was just drunk she was like oh Mm -hmm. i thought you were drunk and you were just super focused on the game she's like i had no idea Mm -hmm. so um do you think that there is a way for your friends if you you know put them onto it that they can like pick up on those on those signs Mm -hmm. because like i said like that's like she knows me probably better than i know myself sometimes and she even said she's like i had no idea like i just thought you were super focused on the game
1: Right, absolutely, and I think you know just to even validate your experience a little bit too. Like turning inward is also um, a, a very common and normal reaction to do as well. It's it's what I did. That's what I did in high school, right? Like I said before, I was super outgoing and I didn't talk to my friends about it. I was very quiet about it. I like I recall being at a sleepover and struggling, and you know, texting my boyfriend that I was struggling. I was sitting next to my friends, you know, pretending to have a good time. So mm-hmm. it's, it's, it's interesting, the comfortability-ness like that y- you get yourself into. But I think, you know, when I hear someone who's struggling, you know, and, and feels comforted by other people, my encouragement to them is to have conversations with the people that you love, the tr- your you trusted others when you're not feeling unwell. You know, yeah. if you're having a good day, that's when you engage in a conversation with them and say, here's ways that you can tell I'm not doing good. And I, it would actually really help me if you did A, B, and C. So then mm-hmm. it takes the guessing out of it. And then they know this is my personalized list, right? Like I'm not doing well. Here's what I would like you to do to help me.
0: Mm-hmm. And how important, I know this is going to probably be a stupid question, but how important oh. do you think, uh, boundaries are like setting like setting boundaries not only for others but also for yourself and the reason I ask is because like me personally I'm always like I'm all over the place I'm always on the go always like doing stuff I'm like every minute of every day I want to do stuff and I think that like that kind of caught up with me and it was like I didn't know how to like I like my space and I like to be alone but I also at the same time didn't know how to be alone if that makes sense
1: Yes. Like you were filling your day with activities. So you didn't have to like face the uncomfortableness of being alone.
0: Or yes. Or, and I don't mean alone as if like I need company, but it was just more so Mm -hmm. of like, I, I hate the feeling of being bored. Yeah. And so I'm just like, I was always doing things, but always doing things. I kind of, kind of made myself too available, not just for people, but just for certain situations. And then that constant on the go just catches up to you. So like for someone Like me taking a step back and just being like, no, I'm not like just friends hitting me up and me just being like, yeah, no, I'm just chilling tonight, even though I really want to go out, just because mm-hmm. it's just like doing something different so that the the reoccurrence of the panic attacks and the anxiety isn't constantly coming. So, how important mm-hmm. do you think that is, and is that something that you kind of uh, you know talk to your clients about?
1: I talk about boundaries probably more than anyone I know. Mm-hmm. even in my own life, I think that it's super important. Um, I think that it for first with boundary comes self-reflection, what I like and what I don't like and mm-hmm. what I need and what I don't need. And then taking it a step further to discuss your boundaries with others. And like, this is not anything that we're taught in school and it's in and self-reflection isn't taught in school either. Right. So yep. it, it becomes difficult, you know, when you're into adulthood and you're just like, expected to figure it out and that's kind of like you know asking asking us to fail in a way and that sucks um so I think that it is important to determine what you wish your boundaries are and also you know not only talking about your boundaries with other people people but also like your boundaries with social obligations etc right Mm -hmm. like by constantly going 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 you know to what you want to do and like kind of running towards that happiness you know asking yourself like why am I continuing to gravitate towards that happiness is it because I'm not necessarily happy in the moment you know is it because I need to take time to do something else am I avoiding something like really just kind of analyzing what is that and like when I encourage people to do that I tell them you know ask yourself during the day like check on yourself say like how am I doing right now good bad okay now what do I need to do
0: Mm -hmm. and one thing I like I like that you brought up school because like I personally don't like I mean my mom like I said like my mom had me um my mom had me when she was well she got pregnant uh yeah so she had me at 17 that yeah she had Mm -hmm. me at 17 and one thing like not getting into uh like, you know, there, obviously we all have our opinion on, you know, school and stuff like that. But one thing that, um, she told me was she never pushed me into something, nor did she ever be like, you have to do this because of money. She was always like, Hey, like figure out what you like to do. Um, that makes you happy. Obviously you're going to have to sometimes do things you don't want to do to get to where you want to be. So for me, she was always like, Hey, um, always make sure you do stuff that you love, and and if there's not money in that, figure out a way to make money in that because at some point you are gonna have to take care of a family if you want one, if you know mm-hmm. if you have kids, stuff like that. So kind of like how I touched on about you know she treated me like adult from day one, uh, because she had to be both the the mother that's like come here sweetie give me a hug, but at the same time be the mm-hmm. disciplinary figure yeah. that like that my the father role usually consumes. Um, mm-hmm. so and one thing that she was always doing was she was always making sure that there was like a, a teeter totter of like you're getting a bit of both. Um mm-hmm. and one and that kind of leads me to the question I want to ask you about, you know, sports. Like you played sports, you were around sports a lot. How nowadays, like talking with some coaches, they say that it's not the old school way of just like you fuck up, you could just scream at a kid, and it's just like mm-hmm. You know, get to work, be a man, da da da. You have to kind of coach people differently based on that personality yeah. to get the most out of that individual. Um, how much do you see we could be better in sports? Because now that it's becoming a topic of conversation, you see people like uh, DeMar DeRozan in the NBA, Kevin Love in the NBA. You have, um, I just recently saw Najee Harris, who was a starting running back at Alabama, um, mm-hmm. who now just got drafted to the Steelers him talking about how in sports it's hard because in sports it's competition, survival of the fittest. But at the same time, you, you, you it's hard to just in that venue and in that setting to be like, yo, I'm not okay.
1: Yeah, absolutely. I, I mean, to that point, I think it's hard to ever say like, I'm not okay. I think mm-hmm. that as humans were scared of being uncomfortable. Like, you know, you're sad. Everyone's like, Oh no, no, don't cry. Like, you know, you'll be okay. Everything's fine. You know, someone dies and it's like, I have to just, okay, they died. I have to move on with my life. Like what? Like, that's crazy. You know? And I think in society, like we're moving in a direction that we're talking about mental health more. So it, it Uh has these conversations and maybe that's why we're hearing also about more people talking about their mental health in sports and in like pop culture. But, um, I think also, when you're under the the spotlight, per se, it makes it incredibly difficult. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And I I mean, I definitely can't imagine that because I don't think that I'm under a spotlight by any means. And it was already Mm -hmm. difficult for me to even tell my friends that I had anxiety as a kid, right? Like, the stigma is getting better, but it's still there
0: yeah and even though like i kind of find like it's funny because when um kevin love when he came out about how he was having panic attacks and he unfortunately had his panic attack in the middle of a game on national tele- like on a nationally televised game so mm-hmm. when he left the game everyone was like did he get hurt like what the hell happened and then mm-hmm. he obviously came forward and was like yeah like i'm not okay this is what it was Um, and at the moment, like, I was like, okay, that makes sense. Like, why wouldn't you just be like, like the people around you that know you, that you could trust and love you, like they could be there. But then me, I go through something and like the people that I would lean on for everything, I was scared shitless to actually open up to. So Mm -hmm. how do you, like, in your opinion, how do you think, like, I know we kind of touched on a little bit better, but how do you think, um we can get more people to come forward and be like, yo, like, I, like, I I don't know how to talk to you, but something's not okay. And I'm scared. Mm -hmm.
1: It's scary. I think that it's really great that we have people who are, um, you know, in pop culture or sports or whatever, like, coming forward because they have a voice to talk about it. And a lot of people who struggle with mental health, which is like, I would say almost the vast majority of the population on in, in one way or another, in some degree, um, like they we don't have that same opportunity to talk about it. So, you know, the more people that are talking about it, the, the mo- more the stigma could go away. So mm-hmm. I think that that's important, but I think it's also important, you know, For everyone else to create a culture where it's not a bad thing to talk. Yeah. Right. Like, not everyone grows up, you know, as I will say, as fortunate as myself with parents who literally forced me to talk until two in the morning until I couldn't talk anymore, Mm -hmm. you know? So I want, I would love a community where people encouraged people to talk and, So that those people who are struggling felt a little bit more supported and like, not that it was so abnormal for them to say, I'm really struggling or I'm hurting.
0: Mm -hmm. No, absolutely. And is, do you think that like schools, I know we were kind of like going all over the place with this, but do you think that schools should start doing, um, or at least it, like, it didn't, obviously, I don't think it happened when we were in school. At least it wasn't anything that was on my radar, but do you think that, um, schools especially at the younger like middle school and high school they should um either be making kids take like a mandatory class not a class on mental health but more so of like you know once a month you have to check in with someone and you know Mm -hmm. talk if you have like hey is, is there anything bothering you or even not even bothering you but like hey what are the things in your life going on right now that you aren't happy about or you wish were better And Mm -hmm. from there, try to, because you know how people are hesitant to talk. And it's like, you know, if you're very, if you're good with um, connecting with people, some people have better, Mm -hmm. it's a skill, ultimately, being able to get others to open up um, and be vulnerable in front of you, especially when they don't even know who you are like that. Um, Mm -hmm. Do you think that schools should start to implement those type of things? And if they already are, are they?
1: So from what I know from schools is like right now, they, a lot of schools, um, employ school counselors, but uh-huh. a school counselor's main job is like kind of to help you get through school, to help you apply for graduation. Yes, they're going to talk to you if you're struggling too. But a couple of my friends who are school counselors say like, my school is also hiring mental health counselors because we need people who can also assess for lethality, who can run counseling groups, etc. And so I think that it is more up and coming. And yes, I think there are schools doing it and doing a better job than others. But I also think that, you know, If a school has the resources, it would be beyond beneficial to get maybe a counselor in schools to set up groups or classes or something, Um, Mm -hmm. especially in that, you know, young or older child, young adult, adolescent type age, you know, maybe from like, gee, like 10 to 18, Um, Mm -hmm. because I will say, like, I think Part of the reason that I have been able to, you know, persevere and and do so well and accomplish many things in my life despite having some pretty persistent anxiety is because of the self-reflection and the counseling that I did at that age Mm -hmm. and learning to talk and learning how to cope um, when my brain was still developing and you know, not not as much when I was already an adult and my brain had formed and I had all of these habits that, you know, took, you know, twenty seven years to put in place if that makes sense
0: no that makes complete sense and the other part of that is like I know um you're big into self-care self-love mind and body wellness all that and Mm -hmm. there's I'm sure like even though people there's certain people that you know work out take care of themselves they eat right and stuff like that some people still have certain things like you know Um, body, they like they they're not comfortable in their own skin because they don't like, Mm -hmm. you know, they're not happy with their body, even if they're a skinny person like that happens all the time. Um, So do you think that there needs to be a, you know, also a focus into teaching kids, whether it's, hey, you have the option of journaling, there's meditation, you can go work out, you can go do a hobby, you Mm -hmm. can go, you know, do something helping kids figure out what that self care, self love mind and body is for them. Um, because everyone's different. And Mm -hmm. I I, I always find that certain people like, Oh, you know, have a great job, you know, have really good skin, or, you know, have a great body, but are still like not happy with themselves. And it's like, they have everything. So it's like that, that balance of like, some people are like, Oh, well, if I looked like that, or if I had that, I'd be Mm -hmm. happy. And then it's like, well, there are people that do have that. And they Mm -hmm. still feel that way. So, you know, doesn't matter, you know, where you are on the spectrum, you're still not exempt from human emotion.
1: No, absolutely, and I agree with that statement wholeheartedly. Um, I think it would be cool again, like talking about like if things were implemented in school, if we were able to learn these things in school. You know, if I, I guess my mind first goes to like how cool would it be in a health class if you learned about your coping skills? You know, your personalized coping skills, like what works best for you. You know, there was like a whole lesson on that. Like, okay, like in your toolbox, you have running, you have playing baseball, you have Uh, baking, you know, whatever it may be, right? Mm -hmm. Like how cool would it be to just acknowledge these things? Because, you know, I say the word coping skill and some people like turn their head and they're like, what does that mean? And then other people understand immediately, right? Like that just goes to show that many people, you know, had different upbringings, have learned different things, have different life experiences and, you know, can understand potentially the importance of taking care of yourself more than others. But I mean, I take, you know, people from maybe like my parents' generation, as an example, and like they weren't taught self-care. They were taught like work hard until you can't work anymore. And mm-hmm. I tell people all the time, like, you know, you got to refill the gas tank, you know, it, it, yeah. at some point. You you have to stop and take care of yourself or you're not going to be able to continue to pursue whatever it is that you're pursuing, whatever the goal is. And mm-hmm. I, I don't know if at least people my parents' age were ever really told that.
0: No, I completely agree because it's just like – and that's kind of like when I was uh, – that's something I, you know, you just said, but I, I should have asked with like the whole athlete thing as well is that it's just like, you know, like even pro athletes, they're just go, 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 you know, working. in, you know, they, they have a six-month-long season and then they have a six-month off-season, but we know that they maybe take like a couple weeks off and then they're just working out nonstop. Yeah. Um, but, you, you know, one thing you did mention was baking and mm-hmm. baking for you as an outlet – so yeah. and now you are the owner of Good Mood Foods. So how did that all come about? Was this just something that you know you love to do so much or you're like, I want to make money off this? Or like how exactly did that whole idea spring into action?
1: Um it's it's such a long story too, and I and I'll tell you like most of it. Um Good Mood Foods started when I realized that a lot of people were actually interested in the way I was eating. And Mm -hmm. for me, it started as a self care thing. Like I was just posting on my personal Instagram, like these recipes of what I was making, because I decided I was going to take care of myself in a different way. Um, Mm -hmm. My fiance's sister actually introduced me to the first influencer that I ever followed. Her name is shut the kale up. She's so wonderful. And the way that she ate and like following people she followed, like really influenced me to kind of, create my own foodie type platform, which was awesome because I really didn't have that big of a hobby until I started to fall in love with food and realize the benefits it could have. You know, I think that the opportunity that I was given with, you know, social media and and seeing what was out there was great for me at the time because I was able to see that all a bunch of people were living their life in the way that I had always wanted to and I just didn't know how and I was like okay like I can do this mm-hmm. so I started eating healthier um it helped you know some of my like gastrointestinal issues I was going through that was like bothering me and I was like you know what I feel a lot better this way like why am I not going to change my life so with that, I just started becoming more and more interested in like, you know, not processed foods and reading labels and et cetera. And then I'm like reading, you know, these cliff bars that I had been eating or, you know, um, other things that I had been eating that I'm thinking, you know, I've been eating this my whole life and I don't understand the ingredients. I don't understand what goes into this, you know, what, what even is all of these things or what is the sugar alcohol and why does it make me bloat so bad? So figuring out like how food affected me personally was a big part in my journey that made me really appreciate food in its whole form. And I came to my fiance one day who wasn't my fiance at the time. And I was like, you know, I think it's in the five-year plan that I open a cafe and um, he was like, you know what? I agree. I think that that would be great. You know, we've always wanted to be some kind of business owner. Like that would be, that's a great goal, you know? So I started, you know, calling my food, good mood food, you know, without having it be a business. I was like, this is good mood food, you know, it's good for, you know, it's good for you and it's good for your mood. Right. When you eat Mm -hmm. this way. And, um, so that's kind of when it took off. I started, you know, sending my family and friends, like, here's what I can make. Like, what of these things would you like? And I started giving it to them. Um, I then met the owner of toasted her name is Adria and she was just opening toasted and she kind of asked to collaborate and I was like good mood food isn't like a real thing and she was like well make it a real thing this is your dream I was like okay that was the push I needed so (laughs) I thank her so much for that right (laughs) so that was really awesome and then um, I was selling out of toasted for a little bit and um, that's kind of when good mood food actually became real and I was like, holy crap, people actually want to buy bite-sized balls of, like, real cookie dough? Like, how is this possible? Like, this uh-huh. is weird. Um, and it, it made me super excited. And it was, you know, it was, it's never really about the money for me. It was more about, like, this is my self-care, and this is, like, a coping skill for me. I love cooking, and I love cooking for other people, and helping people understand that food, the, the way that you feed your body is important, especially to your mental health. Mm. so it was just kind of like my side gig and I was like you know eventually maybe I'll open a cafe maybe I'll do wholesale etc and that's just kind of how it came to be
0: and what uh what has now so now that you've taken it off the ground like when you initially got that push from uh what what is her name again the one that no one's toasted Andrea Andrea okay that's what I thought um but when you first got that push from Adria, did you get um, just because I have a couple friends that you know are self-employed with doing their own business and stuff like that and mm-hmm. they always say that once they got that initial push, it kind of lit an even bigger fire under their ass to be like mm-hmm. not in like a, a pressure type of way where I need to make this happen, but kind of like in a passionate way of like fuck, this might become a reality so like yeah, I'm even more excited about it now and then you kind of like catch yourself into. Uh, I don't want to say leveling up, but you kind of step yourself, uh, you step into a zone where it's just like, there's even more possibilities now than you initially thought, mm-hmm. just because you had that initial push.
1: Yeah, it, it, absolutely. That definitely happened for me. Like, I remember, you know, going downtown to get my business certificate and like, know talking with the Department of Health to figure out where I can make my bites and you know just making everything very official. And that's when I was like, holy hell, like what is happening? Like (laughs) I just created a business. Like what? I'm a mental health counselor. I'm not a business owner. So Uh um, I definitely felt that and I felt that, you know, even more when people started really liking my brand i mean so much so that one of my friends from rochester would come out and buy bites from toasted like every couple weekends i'm like girl you're driving 60 miles for a protein ball like wild that's awesome
0: that's yeah that's amazing now with you being um a business owner yourself like what if you have anything like what is um some like unknown struggles of becoming your own boss. Because I know a lot of people that it I mean, it ultimately the business succeeds or fails on your shoulders, mm-hmm. which you obviously knew that um, otherwise, you would never have gotten into it. But for mm-hmm. a lot of people, that's very um, intimidating and scary. And that's where the yeah. that's where the line stops for a lot of people. Like I've had buddies that are like, you know, I have I have these ideas, I'd love to do it. But the thought of not having a consistent paycheck or not having job security or it potentially just failing scares the fuck out of me. So they don't even try. Okay. So like for you um, what is a couple of like unknown struggles that like you may have thought about, but you're like, Oh, and you got hit in the face with reality that a lot of people don't necessarily know in your opinion.
1: Mm-hmm. So I think the hard thing was I decided to make good mood food, a real life business and you know, try it during the middle of a pandemic. So Mm -hmm. I didn't expect much from the beginning. So I guess in that sense, it was kind of nice, because I wasn't expecting much, and then it failed or anything. But Mm -hmm. in instead, you know, it, it was just difficult to um, get my product out there, I think, you know, had I opened Good Mood Food and started this business, not in the middle of a global pandemic, there maybe would have been a higher chance for revenue. Um, Right now, I mean, I was just facing a a really hard problem of, you know, people are still wanting my bites. And right now they are not stocked and toasted. But people kept messaging me like, hey, like, can I do a custom order? You know, I have a baby shower, I have this, I have that. And I'm like, holy moly, like, I want to say yes, so bad. But, you know, I don't have a, a kitchen right now to 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 actually cook in so Mm -hmm. um that was really hard because you know to rent a kitchen when you don't have a storefront it's usually pretty easy like you'll go into somewhere that has a um industrial kitchen space and you just pay them rent like either um weekly or monthly or however much just depending on what your needs are Um, but because of the pandemic a lot of kitchens weren't open to vendors. So I had this really good thing going and good mood food was kind of like trickling up and up and up and making like this nice linear (laughs) pathway to success. (laughs) And um, the slow season and winter came, I wasn't in toasted anymore. And I was stagnant for a couple of months. I was like, okay, like this is, this is what they mean, right? Like this is why businesses like this are difficult. And I think that I can resonate with people who think, you know, I'm scared to kind of take the risk because. I'm still scared to take the risk. I'll be completely honest. i'm com- i'm I'm petrified to, you know jump into this as my full-time job, which is why it's still just a part-time gig. But I do think eventually, and you know my outlook has changed. I don't think that I will make a cafe. i've I've learned that that's actually not what I want to do. But instead, I think it'd be a really good idea to go the Whole Foods option with this. Um, like I'm sorry, a whole wholesaler and distribute to local cafes, you know, have like just a space where I make bites, and then they can be sold at local cafes in the area.
0: Well, I mean, shit, let's get you in Whole Foods.
1: (laughs) (laughs) Oh, yeah, I mean, also Whole
0: Foods. (laughs) (laughs) But, um, Yeah. Now, does, did you find that having like, were you, cause I know some people like they hit a crossroads where like, like you said, they're, you're not getting any business. The money's not Mm -hmm. coming in you don't know what to do. Do you find as though that kind of made you like, some people get motivated by that and like some people get like off on that where they're like, Oh yeah, now it's really fucking go time because I have to adapt. Um, And then some people are like, yeah, no, this just that, no, the same for me. I can't, I, I, nope it's not what I thought I throw in the towel obviously you you know went through that but Mm -hmm. was that something that motivated you even more to become even more focused to try to make it work or what what happened there
1: I'll be honest at first I was very frustrated and I I wasn't ready to throw in the towel by any means um Mm -hmm. but I did talk to my friends grace specifically actually about like what are my options like what is the best way to go about this and I even had very honest conversations with her and our other friend Elisa like is it time to retire good mood food just to bring it back in a couple of years when I can give it more attention? Mm -hmm. You know, like I had to have that conversation and it was hard and scary and there were some tears because I didn't want to give it up because it was something I waited so long to do. Um, But, but luckily, you know, in, I guess kind of this brings it full circle, right? Like in my willingness to talk to other people about what I was going through I talked to some other friends and some other friends and some other friends who ended up leading me to finding a kitchen that I will be able to cook in again and sell out of very soon.
0: That's amazing. I was actually, when you brought up the kitchen thing, I was going to drop that in there, but I'm like, you know what? I'm not, nah, I'm gonna let her say it.
1: <laughs> I wanted Yeah. To be I'm like, super pumped.
0: Yeah. I wanted to be like, well, now you found a kitchen, but I didn't want to interject on that. But um, right. one thing that I thought of, as you said, do I wait a couple of years? What is your thought on, um, you know, waiting is actually just kicking the can down the road verse, because if it's like you said, like, okay, do I wait when I can relaunch it? And like, I have more time, but it's like, okay, you're, you said you're engaged right now. If like, I don't know if you, you guys do or don't, but like, if you end up having kids and stuff like that, like then a bulk of your time is obviously going to be with your kids and raising them. So it's like mm-hmm. a kind of, you know, playing devil's advocate, It kind of, becomes harder because now mm-hmm. you have all this time but you don't have the money but when you're older you have the money but you don't necessarily have the time so was yep. that something that um was in your psyche of like evaluating what to do next
1: oh absolutely 100 percent. i like love to consider every option right because i'm uh, someone who has anxiety by heart right so i uh-huh. think about all the yeah. worst things that can happen and all the good things and you know everything in between all the what ifs so yeah i definitely thought about that and that was the that was one of the main reasons pulling me towards, you know, keep this open, keep this going. You have a good thing going here. Um, And it definitely has been hard because I have been a bit stagnant, but it, you know, it provided me with that motivation, as you said, to kind of rebrand and get a new, give a facelift and do exactly what I want. Like, I think this was, you know, this period, this like lull period, good mood food went through gave me the motivation to finally make it exactly what I want, especially because I won't necessarily have anyone kind of telling me what they want too.
0: Absolutely. Yeah. And did you, um, since, since that be, since that happened, do you find is, cause I've had a couple of friends say this, but do you find that there's wisdom in just being like? Obviously, you weren't like "fuck it," let's just keep going. But you eventually did get to that point. Initially, you weren't. You were like, "Okay, do I wait and or whatnot?" Do you mm-hmm. find that there is actually wisdom in the whole? Let's just keep going. Let's just. I no clue what's gonna happen. I'm scared, but I'm using that fear to keep me on track, keep me focused. Mm-hmm. And do you feel as though that? you know, ripping off the band aid, just saying, fuck it. And just jumping right into it is actually more beneficial than trying to wait for the perfect moment to get in.
1: Um, I think so. Especially when you're going to open a business, I don't think there's ever going to be a right time Mm -hmm. Um, or you're not going to have, you know, the money, the time, et cetera. But if it's something you want and you're something that you're passionate about, I think that you have to go for it. Um, Mm -hmm. I could have sat and contemplated making good mood food a legit Thing and, and selling and getting a business certificate and so forth, I could have contemplated that till the day I die, or I could have just done it. And I took, I, I remember telling Grace, I said, if, because I was actually asked um, in the past prior to being asked by the owner of Toasted, by the owner of another cafe to come in and, and meal prep, like do some meals, do Um, bites whatever it was that I wanted in their cafe and I said no because I was in grad school at the time and also working full-time and I didn't think I would be able to do both and I told Grace if there was ever another opportunity where someone presented it to me like that I could help them with something or I could create this business that I wouldn't say no and I tried very hard to stay true to that this
0: time. And, uh, and I love that you did that, but so, and now that you are, you know, a business owner and stuff like that, have, do you feel as though that you essentially just got a free business degree slash like business, like internship slash experience? I don't even know if that's the right words, just mm-hmm. simply by throwing shit at a wall and seeing what sticks.
1: Um, I'm going to be completely honest with you. No, I, there's still so many things that I don't know. Um, Mm -hmm. and there's still so many things that I have to learn along the way. And that's when I've learned to just talk to people, right? Like I, I didn't know anything about this. I literally went to school to talk to people. I'm so bad at math. Math makes me cry. Like I literally (laughs) have had, you know, my friends who are CPAs do my like cost analysis of things to see like how much, you know, a bite will cost to make and, a, and how much I can sell it for. And what's like my profit margin, like, I don't know how to do any of that. Holy crap. It makes me literally cry. Not kidding. So um, I think that there's still so many things that I have to learn. And good mood food is so small with the potential to be bigger, um, that I'm going to continue learning. And what I will say to your point is, you know, in the future, if I decide, hey, maybe I want to open private practice as a therapist. Uh, doing what I did for Good Mood Food will help me with that 100%. Or if someone comes to me and says, Jamie, I want to start a business, I'll know where to direct them to start. I'll know what they need to do, you know, your Mm -hmm. tax ID, et cetera
0: absolutely and do you look at you know for me money is um money is a big thing to, to me not because of a materialistic standpoint but it's just like the the freedom and security that yeah. money produces obviously so mm-hmm. i one thing that like i always have an issue with is like how they educate us on money in school do you yeah. find as though that from being a business owner there's a lot about you know we don't need to get into it per se like deeply into it but just like surface level do you find as though there's a lot of uh growth you've had with um personal finance not like your actual bank account but just like how you look at money and how you think about money since being a business owner
1: yes actually it's really helped um my fiance and I save for our wedding um like just understanding kind of how much I've invested in good mood food personally because my goal was to not take out any loans um and kind of just it helped me personally kind of reevaluate uh my own finances and it's helped michael my fiance and i kind of plan for the future you know not only do do we have a wedding to pay for but we're also saving for a down payment on a house and you know we don't want to do a first-time buyers program we want to you know put more money down etc like it kind uh-huh. of helped us like make those bigger decisions prior to having to make them because we understood kind of the cash flow coming in from good mood food and, you know, the, the earning potential versus the complete opposite, you know, the, the earning not potential. I don't know. We get literally getting nothing.
0: <laughs> yeah, yeah, no. And I'm glad you said that because that is that like how you said it made you safe for bigger things. The, that was actually where I was going next with it because um, from doing real estate and then being hundred percent commission, that is, I would say, contributed me to like really taking a step back and being like okay time out like what kind of life do I want to be living when I'm you know 30 35 40 um when do I want to retire if I have you know having kids like what type of lifestyle do I want to have for those kids and like Mm -hmm. family vacations and stuff and it's like really like oh okay like it's no different than hitting like oh, we want to be in Rochester, Syracuse, and Buffalo. Like, okay, what is that going to look like financially? I don't think that there's a difference between that and then being like, okay, if I have three kids and they all want to play sports, what is that going to look like financially?
1: Yeah, exactly. Exactly. Uh,
0: and do you think that, you know, kind of like just touching on that quickly, because uh, neither of us are financial planners, but do you think <laughs> that there needs to be a, uh, a bigger, conver- bigger conversation um, in school? At At least like the high school level at least, um, and then somewhat in college on those type of things.
1: I mean, I definitely think so, because especially for people who maybe don't have that parental influence that talks about finances um, mm-hmm. in any kind of way, like how else would you know, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, I didn't have any kind of classes like that. I mean, especially going in undergrad for psychology. I mean, I was lucky to have a grandfather who, told me starting when I was like six years old to pay myself first, meaning like to save yeah. for retirement. I was like, are yeah. you kidding me, dude? I'm six. Like what? You know? Yeah. So um, I felt very fortunate and lucky for that. But I mean, I'm sure that there's other people who maybe don't feel that way.
0: No, of didn't course. Or did get that
1: experience.
0: Yeah. And I only asked that because, um, I saw like a little snippet that, uh, Shaquille, Shaquille O'Neal is had He was talking about like investments he has and stuff like that. And one of the things he said that was, he was like, if you want to, he had a hundred dollar bill. And then he was just like, if you want to be rich and he ripped it and he ripped it in half, he was just like, this is your take home. And it was like half of the dollar bill. And then he was just like, if you're well, if you want to be wealthy this is he ripped it into three and then a third of it he's like that's your take home and like in the comments a lot of people were like what the hell is this guy saying but i understood that he was basically saying that like um you should be able to afford your living expenses on about 33 percent of what mm-hmm. like your income is and then yep. the other 33 percent goes to saving for something big and then the mm-hmm. other 33 percent is like investments like buying up real estate own you know having a cash right. flow type business and stuff like that and mm-hmm. so where I'm going with this is that um my mom's always from day one like you said has been like I get say twenty dollars for Christmas or like a birthday from grandma and grandpa she's just like puts put fifteen dollars of that um in your savings five of that you pay yourself with and like was always like no matter the amount of money you get you're either mm-hmm. keeping a you're only really keeping a third or half of it so like right. i'm always just like yo pump your brakes like i'm <laughs> i'm trying to go play soccer with my friends outside or like you know ride yeah. bikes or something i'm not trying to like learn about money um exactly. but i feel as though like once we get to adulthood like you know we're all young adults now that that not having that in you know in our awareness, it becomes extremely daunting and extremely intimidating. And then kind of tying it back to the whole mental health thing, it causes a lot of stress because it's like, okay, Mm -hmm. well, I have X amount of student loan debt. I have, you know, I have a dog, I have an apartment. There's no possible way I can save for retirement or I can invest or da, 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 da. And then kind of going back to what you're saying about business. It's like, I don't even have reserve funds to try to pursue an idea of business, and then obviously, you know, kind of mixing it in all together, it can lead to, you know, potential mental health problems, all because of money, and we're not taught the basics. I mean, obviously, if we were taught that not, you know, let's be honest, we're probably not paying attention anyways. (laughs) But like, at least, at least, you know, be teaching us something along that avenue versus teaching us something that we all know that we just need just to get to the next level of education.
1: No, I absolutely agree. And I think like when you were talking about that, the first thing that came to my mind was like this pressure to do well. And it kind of that word pressure really um, describes like the experience of maybe almost every different topic we talked about today. Like I'm thinking the um, like the, the sports players who might have mental health issues, um, maybe even you and I who've experienced mental health stuff. Like it's that pressure to do well, the pressure to succeed in, in some way,
0: mm-hmm.
1: right? That like both of you and I, I guess, can probably relate on the fact that we want to save for retirement, right? Or we want to save for something. And, you know, that, that feeling of pressure to, to do the right thing is, is difficult. And I often have to check myself and say, like, who is defining, you know, what's right who's defining success like Mm -hmm. and usually it's me and I'm setting this bar very high in a short period of time and I always have to kind of scale back and say like look you know I mean Good Mood Food now has only been open as a business for a year and I mean I could have paid myself which is not something that most businesses can say in their first year but I didn't so Mm -hmm. It's kind of always for me that that reflection and evaluating of situations that I think is second nature to me right now that kind of helps me get through those situations.
0: And what's your ultimate uh, what's your ultimate goal with uh, good mood food? Because when you said that you could have paid yourself, which it's I think it's I think like the statistic is like ninety eight percent of the businesses are out of business within ten years it's Mm -hmm. like ridiculously, it's ridiculously hard to become profiting business. So Mm -hmm. I mean, that's awesome that like your first year you did. And then you said that you didn't have, um, you didn't take you didn't, you didn't take anything out of the business, which Mm -hmm. my mind immediately went to, like, you have big plans for the business, or you have big plans for your future. Um, Mm -hmm. Is that is that kind of like where that was coming from?
1: yeah definitely i for sure have big plans i for the business i would like and i will tell you some of it but i would like to like i said before become a wholesaler and get good mood food across buffalo in some of my favorite cafes and in shops and oh my gosh i couldn't even imagine them being in whole foods that like makes me want to spontaneously combust but that would be amazing right mm-hmm. like that's that's the goal like i I take walks down, you know, Hurdle and Elmwood all the time. And I like look in the windows of these vacant shops, which is incredibly sad. And I just imagine good mood food in there as like, this is my kitchen and this is where I cook. And I have pop-ups sometimes where you can come up and and buy things, or I can make you a custom order display of, you know, these healthier things for you to bring to these parties instead of everyone having donuts, whatever, you know?
0: Yeah. And, it's uh it's funny you said that, because I'm in Lancaster, and in the village mm-hmm. of Lancaster, we have, like, they just put Lancaster Coffee Co. in there, but, and then I think they have, like, a little bakery or something like that right next to it. I could be wrong, but even, mm-hmm. like, Orchard Park, East, I mean, East Aurora is up and coming, but, like, um, I know Hamburg has spot coffee, but, like, those little villages right there, like, that you like you said, like, they don't really have those in a lot of places. Right. And when Grace put me on to good mood food, and I was looking at your Instagram, I was like, Oh, this I'm like, this is kind of sweet. Like, I don't I don't know what this is. And then I sent it out to my friends. I'm like, yo, I'm like the girl that owns this. I'm having her on my podcast soon. And they're just like, this is sweet. What is this? So it's like, even mm-hmm. though um, you did have a profiting business, there's still a fat chunk. And I'm not saying this in a bad way. You obviously know this, yeah. but there's still a fat chunk of Buffalo, or even the suburbs of Buffalo, that like have absolutely no idea what good mood food is, and
1: absolutely,
0: at least from people I'm sure that you put on and you know, I've sent via Instagram DM to other friends and stuff, they're just like, Why isn't this like other places? and that's like the immediate response,
1: yeah. Well, that makes me feel really good, and I love that. Um, I think part of the part of the need for something like good mood food is like, there's not a lot of gluten free, dairy free, you know, refined, sugar free anything you know we live in this world of like constantly pumping out food to like feed all of these humans that you know we kind of get lost in like there's people who have allergies or who maybe eat this way for certain reasons and I personally don't eat gluten I I have an allergy so when I go to a cafe and because I I love a good oat milk latte not gonna lie love it (laughs) so when I go to a cafe and I get coffee and you know Michael or Grace or whoever I'm with gets to, you know, order something else, like a breakfast sandwich or a muffin or whatever with it. I hate having FOMO. Food FOMO is like the worst thing for me because I, I just love to eat. And I like, obviously I have a business of food. So (laughs) I don't want other people to have to feel that way. Like, I want you to have like a little treat that you don't feel bad about, or you don't feel like so bogged down and disgusting after eating like, you know, that, you know, is just that good little thing or something that you can have to meal prep, something you can have after dinner as like a night, like little treat that's not going to ruin your diet, et
0: cetera. Uh Uh-huh. Absolutely. I'm, I'm with you on that for sure. Cause I'm, I'm an obese kid at heart. (laughs) Like I'm not Uh even going to lie. Like uh, me and my friend Grace not not Grace Lawson but uh, another friend of mine Grace Gabriel we have like a joke anytime like we're eating shitty food she's always just like yeah get it in ya <laughs> get it in your fatty because like it's like a joke even though we all like eat healthy and take care of ourselves and stuff it's like the joke is that we're obese people at heart so it's just like anytime oh, you put like you put a little snack in front of us or like even like sometimes you get a little chicken finger sub like anything you're just like yeah I need to have it like I can't eat healthy 24/ 7. Um, oh, yeah,
1: absolutely. And,
0: for, and, and I know that there's like some people that like, like athletes, and even some people that are bodybuilding and stuff, they would love to eat like that. But like, there's no alternative options, like you said, no gluten free, no protein balls, no stuff like that. So mm-hmm. um, it's definitely something that, you know, once it gets out there in mainstream, it definitely could, I could see at least, you know, taken off for you.
1: Yeah, absolutely. And I really hope that that happens. It would be amazing if good mood food made it bigger and I could, you know, maybe go more towards that and counseling part-time. Not that I don't love counseling. It's a, it's a big part of my life and I absolutely adore my job, but Mm -hmm. good mood food is, is for sure the goal.
0: Yeah. And I mean, sometimes, like you said, even though you love counseling, you love helping people. Sometimes it's just like, you know, that brings in bigger, a bigger check than what the other thing is. And then obviously, mm-hmm. you know, if you have a bigger check, you have bigger investments, then that allows you to right. give back and do even more in the future. Sure,
1: sure. And I mean, I definitely like wasn't the kid who like went to school for the, like for the job for the paycheck, like, and for neither, you know, counseling or good mood food. I think my goal in life really is to help people. I felt so fortunate to be helped during like a rough time in my life that, I want to give back and help other people. Like it's just what I genuinely enjoy.
0: Absolutely. And we definitely need more people like you in this world. So, you know, kind of, kind of wrapping, you know, things up here. Cause we've been talking mm-hmm. for quite a bit. I ask everyone this question. I mean, I didn't at first, but now it's just becoming like a standard question. to like <laughs> end the podcast, but if you could uh, meet your younger self, and the oldest that you are is 18 years old mm-hmm. and you're about mm-hmm. to enter college, but it doesn't have mm-hmm. to be, you know, college-based, but what would you tell yourself about the highs and lows in life? And then what would you tell yourself as a piece of advice to carry with you in the next upcoming phases of your life?
1: Mm-hmm. I think that the, the first thing that came to mind when you said that is to tell my younger self, like, you're going to be the exact person that you want to be. And it's all because you created this life for yourself. Mm-hmm. Um I had this idea of who I wanted to be when I was younger and I didn't think that I could get there. Um, but I, I did. And like it wasn't until kind of recently that I sat and said like, wow, you know, I genuinely am enjoying the little things, you know, like having an oat milk latte as I stroll down the street on a morning walk, you know? Um, uh-huh. So I think I would definitely let them know, let myself know that like, you're going to, you're going to make it, you're going to be the person that you, that you ultimately want to be. And, you know, it, it will be difficult, um, but to continue that self-reflection and to cons- continue talking to people and, um, you know, even when you feel like you are at your emotionally healthiest, to still reframe and reevaluate, um, to always strive to be the best that you can be.
0: I love that. And where can, um, where can people find you if on uh, what's, is it the Instagram handle, just good mood food?
1: Um, yeah. So my, my Instagram handle is, um, good mood food. And my, even my personal one is, um, at Jamie dash Kaplan underscore.
0: Awesome. Okay. Cause I mean, I definitely would, if anyone's listening, definitely like like you said you're a mental health counselor so even if someone Mm -hmm. isn't going through something and had a Mm -hmm. question definitely hit you up
1: yeah absolutely i'm an actual open book like i could probably sit and talk to a brick wall as we could all probably tell we've been sitting here for (laughs) an hour and a half so um i'm more than happy to talk about whatever whenever um unfortunately i'm not like seeing new clients right now i have a very Uh small caseload because i've been doing some other things with my work but um it's uh a huge passion of mine. And if you're struggling, and you feel like you're alone, I will definitely be there for you. I don't care who you are.
0: I love that. So well, thank you very much for your time. because I know you're extremely, extremely busy woman. So um, <laughs>
1: thank you. <laughs>
0: <laughs> yeah, so thank you for that. And uh, yeah, I greatly appreciate you coming on. Definitely.
1: Thank you so much, John. It was great.
0: Of course. I'll talk to you later then.
1: All right. Sounds good. Bye.